As you can see in your order of service, today our service is in two parts, and this is the first homily. I title it, Grateful for the Past. Life is a gift, not a given. As we finish another year, let us give thanks for all the moments lived, for all the experiences gathered, for all we could accomplish. Let us give thanks especially for our families and for all new and old friends. Let us thank and give praise for this awesome planet we live on, and let us promise and commit to live each day as a blessing to our world. Gratitude, understood as a byproduct of compassion, becomes a meaningful spiritual practice. When we say thanks to you for the, from the heart, because we really appreciate the efforts of those who try to please us by giving us gifts, we are honoring those efforts and conveying the givers to the givers sincere gratitude. When we say thank you to those who help us in moments of need, and we really mean it, it makes them feel appreciated and that their lives had worth and meaning. Expressions of gratitude such as those are precious gifts unto themselves. Thus, by cultivating appreciation and gratitude, we become generous and therefore spiritually wealthy. That is why I believe that it is very important to inculcate in our children as soon as they can talk the habit of saying thanks, thank you, and please. It is important to explain to them concepts such as empathy and compassion to make them understand that it takes effort trying to please others as well as trying to be generous towards others. It is a great thing to grow up learning not to take anything for granted. Gratitude is such an important virtue that Meister Hecker, the great mystic and philosopher, said something that has become common knowledge among us. He said, if the only prayer you say once, is, is that only prayer that you say only once is thank you, that would be prayer enough. Gratitude is a main element in the practice of Zen Buddhist, Buddhism. When living a place, when using an object, it is good practice to bow in appreciation for the moment and in respectful attention to the world around us. It is also common knowledge that, in general, Native Americans start the day greeting the Father's Son and giving thanks for its existence and the existence of all that surround us. We Unitarian Universalists, in our seven principles, affirm and promote the respect and reverence for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. We are grateful for the sustaining web, and this gratitude is encouraged to show in every action that we take. When using an appliance, for example, or taking a medicine, or using some form of transportation, some people, I am on them, usually, like to thank and bless the inventors and all the people thanks to whom we are able to have the benefits of their inventions and their labors. I usually do the same when preparing and eating food. I like to thank and bless the elements that made possible 
the growth and richness of fruits and vegetables. I also thank the change of people that made possible for me to have and enjoy these products, and also the source of all, the spirit of life, without which I do not believe there will be existence. As the year ends, I am very grateful for my parents, for the traits they gave me, because good or not, still all are part of me. I am grateful for my children and grandchildren, for all my relatives, biological or acquired through marriage, and for all my friends. Somebody said that friends are a family that we choose, and I believe that very much. I am immensely grateful for this congregation, for your calling, for my colleagues in ministry, and for the staff. No talk of gratitude would be complete without mentioning gratitude and praise for our Mother Earth, so solid beneath us. I am grateful for the Earth because she is our nurturer, our shelter, our comfort, our life-giving planet. It is the place where our physical matter comes from and where it eventually will return. When I think about the Earth, I think about the forces that shape and conform it, the same forces that shape and conform us, fire, water, wind, soil, rock. When I think of the Earth, I also think of it as our home, a beautiful and terrifying home at times. A home with incandescent vowels of fiery volcanic eruptions, with silent, frigid ice polar masses, with dark, labyrinthic caves, with awesome chasms and canyons. A home with imposing solid mountain ranges and desolate arid deserts, with fresh and voluptuous, voluptuous jungles. A home with rivers and oceans, with placid, inviting meadows, with home gardens, tender with so much care, a home inhabited by animals and human species, also varied in shapes, abilities, and purpose. How not to be grateful for this mother, for this home? May our gratitude and love prompt us to care for it, to help heal it, and preserve it for future generations. Let it be so. Are we done? May all we have the courage and the strength to let go of those things that we don't need anymore in our lives. <clears throat> Today we are at the threshold of a new year, at the dawn of a new cycle in our lives. How shall we go forth? The following excerpt from a poem that I recite often is a decisive affirmation on how to face the unknown. It says, Today is to us as a door to be opened or closed, as a journey, as an adventure. How shall I go forth? Give me time to say yes, time to take in what is facing me, time to sort it out in that part of me that does not think and judge and balance, time to take in and accept and grow to the occasion. Asking for time to take in what is facing us is to surrender to the moment without asking, why me, why now? Asking for time to accept and to grow to the occasion is the core of transformation. 
It takes courage to grow to the occasion, and it takes being ready to seize the moment. Most importantly, to take in, to accept, to me, implies unconditional trust in the universe. Every change, whether for the better or for the worse, produces a series of feelings that alternate from anxiety due to the fear of the unknown, to vulnerability, to guilt, or to doubts regarding our ability to overcome the obstacles we will find on our way. But all oh, the relief, the joy, and sense of accomplishment when we can finally start changing unattainable situations, when we finally decide that we owe to ourselves and to those who care for us to change, to grow up, to become that which we could and are called to be. Transformation takes a lifetime of commitment and resolve. Regardless of our chronological age, we will have room to grow emotionally and spiritually spiritually to our last breath. That is why finding a goal, an ideal to put us in the right direction, makes keeping our commitment and resolve much easier. Finding what is what we are called to be and to do in this world, and striving daily to be it and to do it, is essential for our well-being and for our feeling of worth and of belonging to the beloved community. A very popular quotation among Unitarian Universalists is that of Frederick Buchner. He says, to find our calling is to find the intersection between our own deep gladness and the world's deep hunger. Sometimes we let our own problems and routines to engulf us. Sometimes we become oblivious to the world around us. Under those conditions, it is very difficult to find the interest or desire to bother finding out what is that those surrounding us are hungering for. Even worse, our own busyness prevents us from finding out what voices are calling inside us to provide necessary changes for our own good and for the good of the world. When we care to inquire what is needed to have justice, freedom, love, respect, and dignity in our immediate human circles, better yet, when we decide to act and to help provide for those needs, then we will know that that deep gladness of which Buchner is talking about. As we commence a new year, I wanted to share with you a guide on how to accept what is facing us and on how to attain peace as we face our tomorrows. This guide is found at the end of Emerson's classic essay, The Oversoul. What his, with his peculiar seriousness and depth of thought, he writes. Thus, revering the soul and learning, as the ancients said, that the beauty is immense, man and women will come to see that the world is the perennial miracle, that the universe is represented in an atom in a moment of time. He and she will with no longer spot life of shreds and patches, but he and she will live with a divine unity. He will cease from what is base and frivolous in his life and be content with all the places and with any service he can render. 
he will calmly front the morrow in the negligency of that trust which carries God with it and so had already the whole future in the bottom of the heart. I love that way of inciting us to trust unconditionally as means to attain calm as we face, face our future. He will calmly front the morrow in the negligency, meaning in the abandon of that trust which carries God with it. This affirmation of trust had been always helpful when I felt intimidated by change ahead. My experiences had been that those who trust unconditionally in the foundation of our lives, in the spirit of life, in the source of all, rarely are too anxious or immobilized by fear. May this year bring you complete trust in the forces that created and uphold life. May your commitment to change when necessary and to help satiate the world's deep hunger bring you peace, fulfillment, and complete gladness. Amen and blessed be, and have a happy and glorious new 2011.